Hello and welcome to Sad Girls Against the Patriarchy. I'm Allison. And I'm Alexis. And we are your Sad Girls. Our bimbo episode is going to be a little two for one, a little Paris and Brittany, but then there was too much to say. So you get more bimbo content. Which is what you're really here for. Yes. Okay, so we're going to jump right in. We're going to be talking about Brittany today, and Alexis is going to get us going. So, uh, she makes me, it's just so sad, Mm -hmm. her story, but I'm going to go a little bit biographical on some of her backstory and creating the tapestry of who Brittany is. She was born in 1981 in Mississippi, but grew up in Kentwood, Louisiana, which I don't know where that is, but it sounds like it's in the middle of nowhere. Paris was also born in 1981. Yeah, a lot of these, they're all born around this time. Whoa. Yeah, it's all like 79 to like 82 or all these, this era of, uh, of lady. But the beginning of her book, she talks a lot about her background of her family, which I think is integral to kind of her story as well, because when you grow up hearing stories of your family, especially at a young age, I feel like it has a really big impact on you. I know it did for me personally growing up. Anecdotal time, but I know growing up my entire life, my mom told me that my grandmother died by suicide. And that's always something that's really like sticks with you at a young age because it's horrifying. And I mean, I don't know if that's the best thing to like tell a child, but at the same time, it sort of tells the reality of your family and their backstory. But similarly, her grandmother was committed to asylum by her husband, her grandfather, after they had a baby that died at three days old and was forcibly committed, which is what they did a lot of times during this era, like we've talked about. Um, if you had any sort of change in mood that wasn't docile, they'd, they'd commit you and put her on lithium. And then her grandmother ended up killing herself in her 30s by shooting herself over her dead infant's grave. Oh, that's so young. Yeah. So this is like part of the fabric of her story is her grandmother, paternal grandmother. Um, And then her other grandmother was from England and married an American soldier. She was horrified when she came because they met in England because her grandfather was in the war and, you know, they doing all the World War II stuff and people met people all over the place. And um, her grandmother was very posh English girl that was like helping out the boys during the war effort and fell in love with her grandfather. And he took her back to Louisiana in the country and she fucking hated it mm. and just dreamed of going back to London and he refused to ever let her leave the country. Oh no. Because he knew if she left, she would never come back, which is probably true. Because can you imagine being kind of like a socialite in London and then going to the country of Louisiana, like in like the 50s too, by the way. This isn't like, you know, nowadays, like there's more. There's big cities. Right. Find metropolitan you can, areas. You can drive. <laughs> internet <laughs> you're allowed to have your own credit card um <laughs> right she's so, probably never been here either so this was her first time exactly seeing it yeah i mean transatlantic commercial airlines were not as easily accessible as it is now so first time going to america thinking it's america and Ooh. the roads are paved with gold and then you end up in louisiana i'm sure was oh, uh, a bit shocking for her no thanks But her parents met in high school. Her dad was a big star basketball player and her mom was a wealthy, rich girl that hung out with like all, as Brittany said, she hung out with all the gay guys in school and they were just like super fabulous. (laughs) Her dad was pushed into sports by Brittany's abusive grandfather named June, who was also known to be abusing one of his daughters until she ran away at 16. Mm. So this is her other grandfather, who's a piece of shit. So her parents married at 21 and 23. They were kind of like high school sweethearts and they got married pretty young. She says she always just remembers her dad being a horrific alcoholic and sort of dealing with the trauma of his abusive father and all the things that he pushed him to. And he would usually be in and out of jobs and dealing with that by drinking a lot. But he started sort of like a big gym that was successful and they did okay for a little bit and had some money for like a hot minute. 
But Brittany was always in dance and always loved singing. She said she remembers from a very young age, always loving to sing and it being a really spiritual thing for her and always being really important in her life. She did a lot of dance growing up. She was in a lot of dance competitions. She like won a lot of them. Everyone thought she was super talented. So her mom took her to Atlanta when she was eight years old to audition for the Mickey Mouse Club. But they wanted kids 10 and older. So she did not make the cut. They said she was really great. and She should come back another time. And she was actually deferred to an agent in New York. She was signed and she actually got a couple roles off Broadway. She was an understudy in her first show. And the other understudy was Natalie Portman. Oh, Brittany and Natalie Portman are like friends. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah, in the future, they uh, hosted a New Year's Eve party like years down the line. They were like, Natalie Portman and and Britney Spears, bud since childhood. That's funny because we see Natalie as being more of a a serious actress. She's so actress. She's won Oscars Mm -hmm. or she's at least been nominated for them. Sure. Yeah, she's doing it. She was also on Star Search when she was 10, which was like the American Idol of the time. But she was 10 and Ed McMahon was the uh, the host. And, you know, remember this was back in the time where you would just ask really inappropriate questions to children. Mm. And he asked her if she had a boyfriend and she was like, ew, no. <laughs> and then he was like kind of flirting with her, which is fucking disgusting. But that was like so normalized back then. That was just what you did. I mean, it was a little bit after this, but this is back when game show hosts would just full on kiss you in the mouth and be like, welcome. It's just, things have changed. So inappropriate with women. Paris, I forgot to mention, she had a, when she was in middle school, eighth grade, her teacher started hitting on her, one of her adult male teachers, and then came over and made out with her. And then her dad scared him away. And she thought of it as her first kiss and being very romantic and only much later realized, oh, he was a pedophile. That was horribly inappropriate. And she had adult men trying to have sex with her all throughout her teenage years. Sorry, I just forgot. I forgot about that a little bit. Uh, These these girls, I mean, these little girls, they're like, they're preteens or kids and they're having adult men sexualize them they're not beautiful women yet they're not finished they're underdeveloped well they want to they want to groom them yeah they want to they want to keep them around and uh, put them in their pocket and when they're 18 they're gonna marry them Uh and uh that's every man's dream apparently according to the terrible things i see on the internet sometimes yes but it sounds like britney's mom maybe had some unfinished socialite business so she was happy to help her daughter because some moms aren't wanting their kids to get into this life and want to shield them from it i didn't get like a big sense from her book that she felt like her mom was like a stage mom i think Mm -hmm. britney very much was like i like performing cool britney wanted to do this yes she very much did she again she talks constantly about how like singing feels like religion to her and it's like very Mm -hmm. spiritual and she loves dancing and being in tune with her body so Although apparently for career day one time, she said she wanted to be a lawyer and everyone said, no, no, you're not going to be a lawyer, honey. You're a performer. And she was like, you're right. (laughs) JK, guys. Voted least likely to be a lawyer. In 1992, so I guess she's like, what, 10 or 11, depending on the birthday, she makes it to the Mickey Mouse Club. And this is a very famous time because there's a lot of other very famous people on this season or seasons with her, including every boy's favorite man. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling <laughs> is part of uh, the Mickey Mouse Club with her, as well as <laughs> Carrie Russell and J.C. Chazé from NSYNC, and of course, famously, Christina Aguilera and her future boyfriend, Justin Timberlake, of which she immediately becomes very close with him and his family, not necessarily romantic at first, but they were just about the same age, and they were really close, and they are both from the South. After the Mickey Mouse Club ended, she wanted to like go back and be a normal kid. Everybody else went to like New York or LA. We're continuing their dreams. And she's like, I just want to go back home and be a regular teenager. She went back to school and she played basketball like her dad and her brother. 
her and her mom, this is where her mom starts getting problematic. Around this time, her and her mom would go to, I think she said it was Biloxi, which is in Mississippi, and they would go drinking together when she was 13. They would go and get daiquiris on the river. She talked about how she would drink like daiquiris and white Russians because it tasted like ice cream. It's like, yeah, because you're 13 and that's the only (laughs) alcohol that tastes good. It's fucking shit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I fucking love a white Russian, but. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do if you're a kooky aunt. I feel like as a kooky aunt, you go drink with your teenage niece once in a while. That's one thing. It's your mom. They're supposed to be more responsible. And also, I know times were a little different, but. Not that 13? different, right? That's a little... I'm pretty 13? sure that stunts your development or your brain growth or something. That explains so much about me. <laughs> As I started drinking heavily at like 13. I don't think... Uh, yeah, I don't think it's good for your brain. Sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is all goes to say she's mentioning this because she had this like squeaky clean image when she becomes a pop star. But she started drinking at 13 and started smoking and doing drugs. She's like eighth grade going into high school. And... Again, this is only important because of her image later on, because as we've we've said, we don't believe in virginity. Virginity's bullshit. Mm-hmm. But she did lose her virginity at 14 to her brother's best friend, who was a senior. She was skipping school and her brother found out and was like pissed. That did not go over well, but it kind of shows you the type of person that she was at this time. She wasn't this like super innocent, which is how she was portrayed. I mean, she was portrayed for a long time as this like eternal virgin Mm. she was someone that kids could look up to and i'm sure a lot of this has to do with the fact that she's a blonde white woman and we just put that notion of innocence onto blonde white women totally around 15 she recorded a demo and she got signed to a major record label which is incredible (laughs) she is 15 years old the first single that was going to be released on the album that she recorded was baby one more time which is a fucking bop still Uh to this day and Brittany talks a lot in this book about how she, like, really likes directing and, like, changing direction of things. So the original concept for this music video, because this came out, what, like, 99? So space was cool. Remember when space <laughs> was really cool and everything was, like, about the future? Because it was 1999. Everything was, like, silver. Y2K! <laughs> and, like, astronauts and futuristic Hell stuff. yeah. So the original concept that was created by this, like, old white dude was she was in space and she was a superhero in space and her outfit was this, like, kind of Power Ranger-y and she was fighting (laughs) all of this stuff and she fucking hated it. And she was like, look, I'm a teen. I was just in school. The teens aren't going to vibe with this. So she's the one that completely changed the direction of this now iconic music video, which, if you don't know, is the one where she's in a Catholic schoolgirl outfit and there's a lot of choreography. There's also, like, at the basketball court. It's just supposed to be, like, at a high school and it's her with her friends and they're dancing. And, sure. Yeah. It's relatable. I'm sure I've seen it. I can't picture it. I love it. She changed the direction of that. And, I mean, it was super successful because that was her first single and people loved it. They were like, oh, shit. I remember being, like, very young, but being like, she's a cool teenager. This is what cool teenagers look like. And, of course, you know, her wearing a schoolgirl outfit caused for a lot of creepy men to uh, come around. I don't think that was her goal then she did a mall tour which i felt like even in the 90s was super dated mall tours were like so the 80s but i don't know if i'm just thinking that because again i grew up watching vh1 and all the 80s pop stars did that so i, I was thought like, malls were the spot though to be they were but mall tours that like that was like such a thing in the 80s but like yeah i guess yeah because i was thinking about that too. i was like oh my gosh that seems so dated then i was like Okay, I definitely hung out at the mall until I was 18 years old, regularly. And I know for their time, too. I remember Paris talked about spending a lot of time at the mall. So yeah. That like, was your social scene. It was, was the mall. so <laughs> wild looking back on it, but it totally was. You'd, like, eat your 
Cinnabon? Yeah, I'm about to say your Auntie Anne's pretzel. Uh-huh. Or like whatever weird, the food court restaurant that was only in that food court, but uh-huh. it was like really delicious. Sbarro's. Yeah, I don't think we had a Sbarro, but yeah, that's very... Uh, it's very mall. Yeah, that's so mall. That's so mall core. <laughs> I think it's still a thing in suburban areas because I go to the mall with my nieces when I'm in the suburbs of Washington. We will still go to the mall. I don't think they hang out. I don't think teens leave the house as much. Right. But when they do, sometimes it's to go to a mall. Well, yeah, because you can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think about when we leave the house, what do we do? And it's usually Drink. stuff that either costs a lot of money <laughs> or involves alcohol. Right. Or a place that you can't even get into unless you were at minimum 18 to 21 oh, yeah. years old. Yeah. So. The world was so restricted as a person under 21, especially under 18. Mm. So I can see the mall being the spot for Brittany. Yeah. It was a spot for Alexis, too, as a, <laughs> a mall goth uh, that didn't want to admit it at the time and can look back now and admit it pridefully. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite parts in the book is when she talks about her dating Justin Timberlake, making fun of his black scent and him appropriating black culture mm. and her calling him out on it. She just digs at Justin Timberlake so much during this book of which he fucking deserves. He's such a piece of shit. But even when she first started, they already started with the shitty comments. Press would constantly harass her and ask her if she had a boob job, which is so fucking weird because she was a literal teenager and they're just harassing her about it. And anytime she wore any sort of outfit, she would just get harassed by like MTV and be like, what do you think about the parents who say you're corrupting the youth? And she's like, what? I'm an 18 year old girl. I'm so confused. So around the time of her second album, this is when she starts taking Prozac because sort of the weight of all of the world and being famous and again this kind of pressure especially again like we've just talked about around this time we were not too kind to women so this is about the time she starts getting depressed this is also around the time she does the incredibly cult classic famous crossroads movie which is fucking terrible but i absolutely watched it multiple multiple times it was her first big acting role in a movie and she said acting takes over her life too much. She gets too much into character to the point where it affects her, which is why she didn't really pursue any future acting in any sort of serious way. She's done spots on SNL and other shows. She had like a guest starring role on like How I Met Your Mother and Will and Grace and a couple other things. And she says she can tolerate that. But as far as being a character in a movie or like in a show, she says she knows mentally she cannot handle that kind of being another person. If they have any sort of demons, she can't handle it. She seems emotionally on the sensitive side. Very. Just from, okay. Yeah, just yeah. from my perception of her public persona. So that makes sense that she would connect too deeply with her character. Yeah, she does pull the I'm an incredible empath in the book thing. So, <laughs> you know. Sure. I'm yeah. sure she is. Yeah. Which I think she is. I mean, I think she just, she's very, very sensitive and she feels very, very deeply. But she's also, you know, she's an artist and a lot of artists are very sensitive. You say like one thing the wrong way, they will blow up on you. I am saying this as someone who's been in many acting classes where I'm having someone crying about something that I'm very confused about why they're crying because it has nothing to do with the scene. They're crying during the notes part. But anyways, fun fact, and I found this out recently before I even started listening to her audiobook. She was one of the final two with Rachel McAdams for the role in The Notebook. That's a crazy parallel universe. Yeah. And she even talked about how it would have been fun to act with her former Mickey Mouse star, Aww. Ryan Gosling. Right, guys. And they would have already had that good chemistry. I could, I could see it because she's totally. supposed to be like a Southern Belle in that movie, too. And I think she would have done a good job. But I also secretly really love The Notebook. Oh, I did. okay. Uh, yeah, I know. It's uh, so does someone else that's in the other room. Oh, <laughs> but you know, Rygos is in it. So, <laughs> talking about my husband, by the way, we've definitely watched it together more than once. That's cute. It's embarrassing. It's fine. 
She also got offered the role in Chicago, but turned it down because of the mm. things she said about acting. But she says mm-hmm. that's the only thing she really regrets because it had such cool Fosse-esque dance numbers. I could see her in that. Exactly. Sure. And I don't know which part she was supposed to play. She said, I play this cool villain that kills someone. And I'm like, that's like everyone in the fucking movie. <laughs> Who are you supposed to be? Um, I just wanted to mention that this was around 2002. She hosted the VMAs and this is when she wore the iconic matching denim outfit with Justin Timberlake, Mm. the head to toe denim, which I'm absolutely thinking about doing for a Halloween costume one year. Canadian tuxedo. Head to toe. But yes, the early 2000s was very like denim. Uh We liked the denim. Calvin Klein. Yeah. I remember my pencil case in middle school was like, it looked like jeans. Thought it was so fucking cool. Did you get it at the mall? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Hot. That's hot. That's hot. I probably actually got it at Walmart because we were kind of poor. I didn't buy anything at the mall, really. I would get like one thing. Should have shoplifted it. Um, Sorry, mom. I shoplifted <laughs> so much in high school. You know, instead of gathering berries, that's what women do instead now. Yeah, it's we shoplift. It's their gathering instinct. Yes. Yeah. It's natural. It's evolutionary. But yeah, I would like come home with like 10 t-shirts and jewelry and all shit. And she's like, where is this coming from? Uh, I'm just so charming that people buy me stuff. <laughs> it's a corporation. It's fine. Yeah, no, I definitely stole a lot from Hot Topic. They're yeah. still around, so obviously I didn't. You didn't it. put them under. No, I didn't. I mean, I, I, you know, I stole enough too, but alas, <laughs> they came out on top. Alas. Around this time, again, she's dating Justin Timberlake. They're in their relationship. They're living together. Again, she's still coined as a as a virgin, which is funny because she's living with her very serious boyfriend and she is an adult. Right. And she says Justin Timberlake cheated on her, like, all the time. No. Like, constantly. Fuck you, Justin. And they hung out in the same circles, and she would say, like, people would come up to her and be like, yeah, um, we were hanging out with so-and-so, and Justin was talking about this other famous person. Wait for plane. And he'd always make comments like, yeah, I hit that. And he'd be seen leaving parties with other girls. And she was just sort of took it. But she did say one time she did quote unquote cheat. And by that, she made out with her choreographer, Wade Robson, once. He was straight? Wade Robson? Yeah. I mean, just choreographer. I feel, I feel like a Britney Spears choreographer. Oh, yeah. He was kind of famous back then. He like choreographed all the big pop acts. I think Justin had it coming. If he'd been cheating on her and not treating her right, her making out with someone, he had it coming. Yeah. And once, by the way, she made out yeah. with her choreographer one time and they Doesn't were like count. drunk at a bar. Doesn't count. Right. But he flipped out, of course. Of course. Because that was... Hypocrite. She cheated. Even though he's cheating constantly. He's probably sleeping with other women, too. Oh, no, he is. He's sleeping with other women on top of everything else. And just kind of being an absolute piece of shit. Something else she divulges in this, she got pregnant, actually, with Justin Timberlake's baby. And he forced her to have an abortion. And wouldn't take her to her doctor's office. They got the medical abortions, like the pill that you could take at home. And she basically talked about how it was, like, the worst pain she's ever had in her life. And... That she personally wouldn't have chosen to have an abortion, but that he kind of forced her into it. Yeah. And she talked about during this, she was just freaking out. And he went in there and played acoustic guitar where she's like in the bathroom, like cramping and like screaming in utter abject pain. Oh my God. You're getting this sort of like sense of this total self-centered piece of shit dude who's cheating on her all the time, forced her to have an abortion, being like, you're sad. Why don't I play music for you so you feel better? Yeah. I'll play a song at you. That'll fix it. Yeah. I, uh I hate him. Oh, yeah. Get ready. It keeps going. Okay. Around this time, Justin Timberlake has left sync, and he's in the process of making his first solo album. And she says this is when he starts becoming a little distant and 
not really hanging out with her as much and not returning her calls as much. And he breaks up with her over text. They have been childhood friends forever. They're living together. They're in a very serious relationship. He breaks up with her over text. And this is, by the way, in the early 2000s when text was like much more informal than it is now. Right. Like at least a text nowadays, I feel like could be, you know. It's kind of like a letter. Yeah. Like it's a serious form of communication. Yeah. This is back when people actually talked on the phone. So over text, that's horrific. His first big single from this album was Crimea River. And in this music video, he has a model that is dressed and is supposed to look, you don't really see her face, but it's a lot of angles where it looks, it looks like Britney Spears. And the music video insinuates her cheating. Hmm. The whole thing is about how this person who is supposed to be Britney Spears cheated on him and broke his heart and how she's trying to come back to him. And he's like, cry me a river. (sighs) She made out with Wade Robson once. But at this time, she's, completely vilified he's like america's sweetheart he's also like a golden boy that's like a little squeaky clean and this is the beginning of her becoming really just shit on and he also at this time told everyone that they had had sex and again her reputation is that she's like a virgin and her manager tried really hard to keep that image for her because it was again it was a publicity thing but she said in the book that she actually liked that he said that because it felt like a big weight taken off her shoulders and she was like i felt like he was saying she's not a girl. She is a full-blown woman. We had an adult relationship that was very public. It is not a secret that she would not be a virgin. She did not take the breakup well and was incredibly depressed. He was doing well off his album and she said she just went back to Louisiana and just stayed in her childhood room and was not coping very well with this. But at the same time, she was also, after this, in between being super depressed, she was also starting to go out drinking and trying to a little bit self-medicate and go out and party. And she dated Colin Farrell for a hot minute, which I totally Mm. forgot about. But apparently she said they just had like a really hot like two weeks where they just like fucked constantly. And I was like, yes, bitch, get it. (laughs) Fuck Colin Farrell. Rebound. Yeah, get it. He's cute. Apparently he's also really nice. I saw him at a Starbucks once. Was he nice? Yeah. Did he have nice energy? You can tell. Yeah, he seemed really nice. This is also when she starts becoming friends with Madonna. And Madonna got her into Kabbalah. Like mm. everyone was in Hollywood at this time. Oh, yeah. Remember when that was a thing and when were their little red string? Like before Scientology was trendy. I mean, Scientology is still definitely a thing during this time, but okay. Kabbalah was like a huge movement. I'm trying to bring all this up for the youngins that don't remember the uh, the zeitgeist that was the early mid-2000s. It was, a lot ha- it was a lot <laughs> happening. <laughs> all the celebrities converted to Kabbalah, which is like a sect of Judaism. And uh, they all wore these, like, red string bracelets that had something to do with Kabbalah. Again, I didn't look too much into Kabbalah, but I remember Ashton Kutcher was converted to Kabbalah, and he, like, refused to take the bracelet off during the filming of something, and they had to, like, digitally edit it out, and it cost thousands of dollars. It was a big fucking deal at the time. Yeah, I just remember that it's very spiritual and mystical and not about orthodox laws. No, but it's, like... Like, woo woo. It's like the hippie offshoot yeah. of Judaism. <laughs> it's like God's cool. Let's hang out. Chill. Be the LA hippies about it. This is also, you know, Madonna. So they have the famous smoochy smooch on. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that was the VMAs with Christina Aguilera. And again, this is back when it was super taboo and also very hot and trendy to be girl on girl action. Again, there's a lot happening in the 2000s, you guys. Things were happening. Tattoo was big. All the things she said, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah. Diane Sawyer interviewed her and she was bamboozled by this because her dad kind of brought her to this interview and she had no idea that this was going to happen and she wasn't aware of the questions ahead of time. 
And Diane Sawyer asked her a lot of these really hurtful questions about her reputation. She's like a bad influence and asked her about her breakup and not being a virgin and all these things that she was totally blindsided by. And she said for her, that was her breaking point mentally. And this was about 2003, 2004. So she's post breakup. She's getting this bad reputation based on Justin Timberlake lying, saying that, you know, she was going around cheating on him and being vilified in the press. She went to Las Vegas for New Year's Eve in 2004. And this was a drunk-ass Vegas wedding that she married her childhood friend. Okay. <laughs> and everyone flipped shit about it. She was married for 55 hours and got it annulled. <laughs> huh. But she said her family, like, was... She's never seen them so bad in her life. She's like, I just thought it was a silly, stupid thing to do. Like, we got yeah. drunk and got married out of chapel in Vegas. LOL. It was just for a laugh. This is the beginning of them thinking, like, oh, my God. She's out of her mind. Spiraling. Right. Which is like, okay, I mean... It was a gag. Right. She did it for the joke. She did it for the bit. She committed. <laughs> she committed, she to, committed the bit, to the bit, guys. Don't take it so seriously. Then she starts dating her backup dancer, Kevin Federline, who will be now referred to here on out as K-Fed, as what she was so lovingly called by everyone at the time. K-Fed. K-Fed. <laughs> she said he was like very sweet to her. She didn't really understand his background, everything that he had going on. So he'd already had a kid and... The mother of his first kid was pregnant with their second kid together. I think she was about seven months when him and Brittany started dating. Brittany did not know this. And she Uh was like, that's, no, no way. No thanks. That's not possible. So the red flags were there from the very beginning. They did their UPN show, Chaotic, with her and Kevin Federline, K-Fed. Their first son, Sean Preston, was born in 2005. And then she like immediately got pregnant afterwards. She had her second kid in 2006. They're almost like exactly a year apart. Okay. There's a lot happening. She has back-to-back children. Her new husband is kind of a piece of shit. And I'm just trying to think of my mental state at this point, how I would be feeling. And you're famous on top of all of this. Get in this Britney headspace with me about how you think you'll be feeling. Your hormones are going out of control. The press is attacking you. It's a lot of pressure. You're married to Kevin Federline. Mm. There's so many bad things happen. But it was pretty apparent from the beginning that he was using her. He started working on his super cool rap album at the time. And he would go in the studio and he would literally bar her from coming in. He would tell security to not allow her into the studio while he was partying. And she could tell there was other people in there. They were just like smoking and shooting the shit. And there was other girls in there. And the security was given explicit instructions to not allow Brittany in there to come visit, even visit him in the studio. You wouldn't even got in the studio space if you weren't married to Britney Spears, no dude. Like, <sighs> Just taking advantage of her and then pushing her out. Yeah, and that happens. There's really no good way to sit, no. is there? <laughs> no, I mean, in these chairs, but also just in general. Yeah, like sitting. In life. Sitting is like kind of business. a struggle for me. No. Like, I'm so bad at sitting. Lying I'm down and great. moving are good. So good sitting at that. Sitting and not good. I'm horrible at sitting. I'm no. so glad my job, uh, I don't get to sit that much. That's, I don't know <laughs> if that's a flex, but yeah, sitting. It's better for you, probably. I mean, standing too much is not good for you either because then blood pools and then it sits there and you're more likely to get clots. But Life's th- about balance. That's the point I'm trying to make there. Also wear compression socks, everyone, if you're going to go on a plane or if you're going to stand for a long time. Mm. It's good for your circulation nice. and uh, prevents you from getting varicose veins. You'll thank me later. Thank you, Nurse Alexis. You're welcome. This has been Nursing Tips. With Alexis. And then there's like a shiny tone here. Ding, ding. This is around the time that she starts having this, like, very famous feud with the paparazzi, and they will, like, not leave her the fuck alone. Just like we talked about with Paris, 
the paparazzi didn't leave these famous people alone, even like to go to the fucking grocery store, even to take a fucking shit. And she felt so attacked by them. And now she has these young children that she doesn't want them getting in her business, taking pictures of her kids. Like they've gotten really close to her and said horrible things to her and borderline assaulted her. So she wants to protect her, her children from this. So she's lashing out. And she definitely admits at this time, too, she suffered from perinatal and postpartum depression pretty badly. And, I mean, again, that makes sense. It's like a lot of women suffer from that. And having back-to-back children is just, you don't even get to recover from that. So, again, she's in this headspace. She filed for divorce in 2006 to Kevin Federline. And she was the one that filed based on her people's recommendation because they said he was definitely going to file for divorce and that she should do it. So it'd be less embarrassing that he filed divorce from her because he's a piece of shit loser. But this was just a ploy to take advantage of her because since she filed divorce, she was obligated to pay for all of his legal bills because she, she oh, made more no. money than him. And I'm guessing there was no prenup in place because they thought it was going to last. Yeah, and she had no. way more money than he did. Mm-hmm. And again, she was vilified for this because now she's breaking up a young family. It's always the woman's fault, even though he's, again, using her piece of shit and probably was cheating on her. Yeah, and she was the villain in her relationship with Justin. It's just so easy to tear her down. And she's so nice and she misses. She's like, I I wasn't going to, like, go in and argue with people and be like, no, listen here. She's just like, I just kind of took it and... That's just what you did. Like, I don't think there would have been any winning for her anyways. I think even if she did try to retort, I don't think it would have gone well for her. So it's probably the right move. But after this divorce or during the divorce was her party era with Paris and Lindsay. Woo! Let's start hanging out. And this is when they start calling her a bad mom and like blame her for going out, even though she's like 26 at the time. And it's not like she's like bringing her kids or her kids are being left alone. It's like she has a pretty supportive family that are like watching her children. And PSA, everyone, moms are allowed to go out and party and have fun. You don't, like, pop out children and then stop enjoying camaraderie and hanging out with the girls and, like, going out every once in a while and having a drink and getting silly. Yes, if it's every single night and you're, like, neglecting your child, that's one thing. But moms are allowed to be whole humans that go out and party sometimes. You don't become a saint. Yeah, it doesn't mean that they're being a bad mother. She has money. She can afford to have someone at home watching the kid. Yeah, and she had her mom watching the kid most of the time. You know, the kid's grandmother? Like, that's allowed. That's a normal thing that normal people do. If you wanted to go out at all for any reason, babysitting your grandkids is pretty fucking normal. And like I said last week, the only drug that she ever really used was Adderall. And she said she used it because it was one of the only things that didn't make her feel depressed during this time. So there's a lot of rumors that she was doing like hard drugs and like doing a lot of cocaine and just being like super fucked up. But she said she mostly just drank and would go out and just be silly and go to Las Vegas casinos with Paris. And she said like, we just like took off our shoes and like ran through the casino or just like being silly girls in your 20s. Mm -hmm. Like she was just trying to be a normal fucking person. Now we're in early 2007, and her aunt, who she was really close to, passed from ovarian cancer in the middle of all of this. And that took a huge toll on her as well, because they were super close. And again, she's going through a divorce. She's going through this media blitz and this paparazzi. And Kevin Federline worked really hard to take the kids away from her at this time and sort of took advantage of this negative reputation that she was garnering to get full custody. So she flipped out, and this is when the head-shaving incident happened. Oh, yeah. Again, I'm feeling this very hard. Yeah, she's at a breaking point. And she talked about how her hair and how women's hair in general is so tied to being feminine and how much men love long hair and how it's like a sexual thing. So she was just like, fuck this. Fuck being pretty. Fuck what you think of me. I'm just going to shave my whole fucking head. Like, fuck you guys. 
It wasn't because of a drug test? No, that was the rumor. Oh, yeah. That's what I always thought was the case. Yep. She just literally had a mental break, which, again, same queen. I probably would, too. Been there, yeah. She's going through a lot. I mean, even if that was the case, I mean, they would still be able to take your blood and all sorts. Like, they're not going to do a hair test. They're going to do a piss test or a blood test at most. That's true. That was just a rumor that people spread to, again, perpetuate this idea that she had this horrific drug problem. She was like Mm. this horrible mom. But she was like, I just lost my shit. Like, I was being told that my kids, who are the most important things in the world to me, are being taken away from me over literally nothing. This was the time when she uh, had the infamous uh, scene with the paparazzi with the umbrella, where she attacked a paparazzi's car with an umbrella. Same thing. He was harassing her and driving around all day and wouldn't leave her alone, asking questions about like, oh, how do you feel about having your kid? Ha ha. Mm-hmm. They would do that shit. They would try to elicit a response. And if you responded, then the more they loved it, the more they got in your face. And Brittany's a very sensitive girl and she was right. going through a hard time. So she did respond. And then they loved they loved it. The fact that she lost her shit and had this umbrella and was attacking this car. They said they got so much money for that. Mm. And they talk about it in one of the documentaries. I was like, that was a bad day for her, but it was a great day for us. Just like slimy pieces of shit. They sold those pictures for so much money, too. Yes, they did. It could be a million dollars for a photo. Yep. If it was a good photo. Yep. I really hope that's changed. Me, too. I think with how we use TikTok and YouTube and video content and just people getting clips on their phones, it's made that less significant. Like a photo in a magazine doesn't have nearly as much weight because I have a million photos on Instagram. Right. And I have video too, even better. Right. (laughs) It doesn't have the same significance. Right. And I feel like celebrities posting on social too, it like takes away, you know. The glamour or the excitement of this peek into their lives. Right. Because we already see their lives more than anyone even wants to. Yes. 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 But uh, her father begins forcing her to go into rehab at this time, calls her a disgrace. And she went to be compliant because they said if she went, she would get to see her kids more. And then to be fair, after she went to rehab this first time, she did uh, gain 50-50 custody of her children. Now we have the infamous VMA performance. So she's shaved her head. She's got this janky ass wig on. She says she's not doing well. She sees Justin Timberlake right beforehand. She has a full-blown panic attack. And this becomes just on top of everything else, people just make fun of her for this performance. And this is the one that Sarah Silverman is at and called her kids the most adorable mistakes you'll ever meet. Oh. Basically insinuating that Britney shouldn't have kids. It's a mistake for her to reproduce. Very unnecessarily cruel because Britney seems like someone who wanted to be a mom and I not seeing any evidence that she was a bad mom other than people saying that for no reason but when you have that much money and you have family at home helping take care of your kids yeah you can go out and party and be a mom at the same time that's fine again if she was a man oh yeah no one would bring this up at all not at all anyways she has her legal battle with uh, kevin federline where he accuses her of being on drugs but he was never cross-examined she never really got her side he was never cross-examined to be like are you a lying piece of shit you person who's a lying piece of shit probably and was using her for her money and everything else that she had during one of her visits with her kids she wanted to stay longer with the boys and she i think she locked herself in the bathroom with one of her kids because the visit was short and she wanted to stay with them and so they called the cops on her and strapped her down to a gurney and had her committed to a hospital for the first time oh god so again this is not a good look but at the same time, I also get it. If I wasn't allowed to see my kids and people were saying like, no, you got to go now. And they're they're young. They're very young boys at this time. And she's being called crazy for wanting to spend more time with her children. 
Right. And it's brought on by the stress of the situation. Right. Going through a divorce, a death in the family, being in the public eye. Yeah. So this kind of stuff happens multiple times where her family will bring her to something under false pretenses because they're quote unquote worried about her and they constantly just keep her through the cycle of either being committed to a psychiatric facility or forcing her to go to rehab for whatever, like even if she wasn't really drinking that much or what have you, they would just force her to do it as part of, I mean, to me, it just seems like a way to keep her in check. This is when the conservatorship started. That's so famous and started in January of 2008. Her dad was a conservatorship of her person and estate. So he was a conservatorship of her entire life, finances, personhood, everything. And apparently she begged the court for anyone but him Mm. to be her conservator. She was like, I will take it, but please don't let it be my dad. Because she was always scared of him. He was an alcoholic and he was like borderline abusive to her. And she didn't have a good relationship with him. So he made himself her conservator. And I mean, just insult to injury. Like already saying she needs a conservatorship, which she doesn't. Again, that's usually made for people who are unable to make decisions for themselves because of some sort of lack of mental capacity. And that usually is older people that have a diagnosis of like an in-stage dementia or Alzheimer's and then sometimes as well for like people that are mentally handicapped sometimes they might have a conservatorship if they don't have um, any really close family but it's not really used in the capacity of this Mm -hmm. like at all and especially for how long it went on there's times where I'm again I didn't look into the law of conservatorship but From my understanding, it seems like you can have like a temporary conservatorship if someone's sort of having something like this, like a mental health crisis where they're not doing so well and they're doing things to maybe get their life together. And then that conservatorship would end. It would be like a temporary thing just to make sure that they don't do anything rash in their state that could, you know, harm them later. But this conservatorship went on for 13 years. 13 years. And she wasn't even allowed to pick her own lawyer for these court cases either because she wasn't told that she could. Britney Spears... A multimillionaire famous pop star had a court-appointed lawyer for her conservatorship. That's unjust, unfair. I mean, she could afford someone so much more dedicated to her case. Yeah. So much more of an advocate for her. She should have been allowed that. Yeah. And she was basically told that she, this is your lawyer, deal with it. And that she couldn't pick her own lawyer. And they just straight up lied. Like, that's just just straight up a lie. Mm -hmm. A lawyer she gets in the future basically is like, everyone's allowed to pick their lawyer. Criminals that committed horrific, heinous, multi-murders are allowed to pick their own lawyer. I've seen TV shows before. Yeah. That's how it goes. You go and get your legal defense and it's like, you know, shout out to lawyers that do public defendant service. But like a court appointed lawyer is probably not going to be like fighting for you in the way that you really need them to fight for you because they're probably overburdened with other cases and other legal stuff that lawyers do. You're not, right, (laughs) as we know, but you're not their sole focus right now and they're not as money motivated, which unfortunately money is a very powerful motivator. Yes, especially in this town, baby. right. Welcome to Tinseltown. She could afford someone who would have done right by her. Yeah, at this time she had multiple number one charting albums when they debut they charted like number one or like she's even during all of this she's still charting she's still making money she still has hits on the radio her songs are still like number fucking one personally she might have been a joke but she still made the fucking bangers and was still she was being very successful commercially oh we should take a break an ad break or just a break break it's break time it's break time we're going to take a pause to talk about Weird Lisa's Colorama, this really cool coloring book we've got in front of us. Yeah, from our friend Lisa Rain. 
I'm holding the Patterns and Abstractions Volume 2 book here, which has some pretty sick designs in it. Yeah, it does. They're really fun. There's all different shapes. There's smaller, intricate ones, and then there's bigger patterns. It's really meditative to do coloring. Um, We have it at my work where we have like a meditation room. There's a lot of different coloring books, so it actually really helps, you know, distract your mind. It's a meditative process, and it's really cool designs to color. You guys should get a puppy room or a kitten room. That would be so much better. But you could have both. You could color while you're hanging out with the puppies. See, that would actually be, that would be sick. I feel like nurses deserve that. Yeah. And also, usually the meditation room is, you know, we don't get to use it as much. It's a nice thought. It's a nice gesture. (laughs) I love that. Um, These are drawings that she made, and it is specifically for adults who want to have a coloring book, but want something that's a little bit more interesting and artistic to look at than content that's geared toward kids. This is a little more abstract, surreal, wacky fun. And if you want to check out her coloring book, you can go to weird underscore Liza's L-I-Z-A-S underscore Colorama C-O-L-O-R-A-M-A and it's linked in her bio. Hell yeah. All right. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> okay, Bimbo series. <laughs> that was a good no. Oh, I oh my god. So I know. I was, I was waiting. I was, I was going to let you do it. <laughs> I was, we I don't was, have that kind of time. Okay, right. Go, go, go. Yeah, I do have an audition doing an hour and a half. But, oh, uh, <laughs> shit. Okay. No, no, it's fine. I'm just going to send some old videos. It's fine. I'm not going to get chosen anyways. Not with that attitude. I know what you mean, but still. Yeah, I mean, the thing about auditioning so much is that you have so many videos around that you can just like kind of like... <laughs> Spice them together. Well, no, it's they're all like the same. It's like tell us a fun fact about yourself, uh-huh. and it's just like okay, yeah, just send the same shit. Like yeah, it's whatever. If you already got it once, there's no point in doing yeah. it. Yeah, I mean it's like slightly different because this one's about bowling, but I have like pictures of me bowling and wow. They they mostly auditions like bring your bowling team, which I don't have, oh so they're gosh. not going. That's why I'm like I know they're not going to pick me because they're specifically <laughs> looking for people that have like a bowling team. You go to Home Depot and you get some day laborers and make like 150 and roll up with a bunch of guys. I like, thought, I thought about bowlers. Call- yeah, I thought about calling up the boys and be like, just be in my stoop because they we bowl. Could, we could do it. We could do I it, could but pretend. you know, it's usually like a small window to submit it, so it's just uh-huh. like, oh, whatever. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's just because it's with my new agent that I'm like, I should be better, but it's fine. Oh, I love that they're sending you stuff, though. That's great. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. Everything's good. Everything's great. I'm doing great. And we're back. We're back. Baby. (laughs) One more time. Okay. I don't don't really. Never mind. Go ahead. You don't really know? No. (laughs) I never was a pretty fan. I mean, I'm aware of her in the common consciousness, but no, I didn't have, I didn't have that face in high school. I think I had Toxic on my MP3 player. Everyone did. Everyone did. Because that's the boppiest bop of all bops. Oh, and the, um, Cirque, I got one of her CDs from the library and I ripped it and put it on my computer. The Circus. Circus. Yeah. Yeah. that, That album slaps. That was good. That was a great album. Yes. And again, that came out in 2008. Oh, wow. Okay. So much happened to her in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But most of what I'm going to say left is that she's under this grueling conservatorship where her dad is is controlling her entire life, like what she eats, what's on her cell phone, who she's allowed to date, what shows and tours she goes on, and everything. And she's supposed to be, you know, so... 
helpless that she needs this conservatorship and she's so out of it that she can't make these decisions but she's still recording albums and writing albums and going on tour and learning choreography night after night and doing music videos and doing like I said spots on tv shows here and there and like learning lines but she's supposed to be so incapable of taking care of herself but she is literally like a performing fucking monkey for her family where they are forcing her to work forcing everything about her because she's so incapable of doing so but performing excellently and doing incredible quality work yeah no one could pull that off unless they were mentally capable right learning choreography and learning lines doing a tour like how long a show is with all of the insane and because she's a dancer too like she has insane choreography doing an entire show of all that choreography learning it night after night doing tv shows even if it's for one one episode doesn't take one day it's learning all those lines filming on a tv show is grueling those are like 13 hour days like it that is not a walk in the park at all and she's doing all of this while also being told by the people that are supposed to be taking care of her that she is incapable of basic anything the logistics of traveling too, of checking in for flights and packing yourself up and staying organized it's exhausting to be on the go like that right and it's just wild to me but they they told her who she could and couldn't date and anytime Mm. she wanted to go on a date they would tell the guy she was on a date with her entire medical and sexual history. Whoa. They would make them sign an NDA and they would force the date to subject to like blood tests to test. I don't know if they're testing for like STDs or drugs or what, but can you imagine trying to go on a date with someone and this is like first five minutes? That's so controlling. Yeah. Her parents stayed married, you said, through her life? They divorced in like 2002 and then they got remarried in like 2010 or something like that. Something like that. It's messy. That's not good. Yeah. It's never a good sign. It's not not good. Yeah. I haven't brought up her sister, but she's, I'm not going to. It's, it's complicated. She's a piece of shit. It's fine. Okay. Brittany's like, I love my sister, but she was not awesome uh, during all of this. And this isn't about Jamie Lynn Spears. This is about Britney Spears. Okay. But she talks about this one moment where she was like, I was supposed to be so incapable, but I kept track of all of my receipts for my taxes so I could do my tax at the end of the year. Like I'm on the shit and my dad just set up office in my house, threw away all my seats and was like, I call the shots. I'm Britney Spears now. Mm, What? Literally knowing that he is going to be controlling her financially and personally and every capacity of her life. And this is all just because she had that period around her divorce, it sounded like, where she shaved her head, she partied, she was mean to some paparazzi. She didn't act any more irresponsible than people we've known who've gone through a rough time. Right. But she's just so in our public consciousness that people condemned her and criticized her. So far out of proportion from what she deserved. Right. And like I said, it's not like she was bombing as far as her music and financially is concerned. Like, yeah, she had like a little bit of a scandal, but like who didn't back then? That was just just more things to add to the magazine that week. It wasn't really, I mean, I remember it being like, oh God, but Circus came out in 2008 and that was a sick ass album. And I remember even when that came out, I wasn't thinking like, oh, crazy Britney brought out an album. I was like, these are fucking bangers and this song's cool. Like, I think we all would have gotten fucking over it. And I think we all kind of fucking did, except the people closest to her that took advantage of her, that kept her in a conservatorship for, I say again, 13 goddamn years. Crazy. Yeah. Like, she's kooky, but she's an artist. Like, all artists are fucking kooky. 
Anyone who follows her Instagram knows that she's kooky. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's okay. Yeah. And and this is later, but it's like she's gotten the cops called on her since after her um, conservatorship because it was like that video of her dancing with the knives and like people mm. called the cops because they were like worried about her and they found out they were just like fake knives and she's mm. just being fucking weird and like yeah. dancing with fake knives because she's Britney Spears and she can fucking do that. She can. But I mean, I appreciate people caring. I hope it was from a good place. But her dad was really terrible to her. He would call her fat all the time. He, like, forced her to go to the gym. He told her what she could and couldn't eat and put her on, like, a really strict diet. She was like, I was denied French fries. Like, I couldn't eat French fries. If I wanted ice cream, like, once in a blue moon, I wasn't allowed. What she ate. She couldn't even have French fries. So micromanaged. Yeah. And I get it. You want her to be in tip-top shape, but she was. She didn't need your fucking help. She was already fucking doing it. And she's an adult who gets to make her own choices. Absolutely. So she does her Vegas residency. She does some more albums. She dates some more dudes. She gets forced to go to rehab time and time again. Mm -hmm. She starts in the book. This sounds a little shady, but she says she's taking these like energy supplements that are over the counter that this dude she was dating was into. I guess it's like gym bro shit where it's like kratom yeah i'm like sure it's like some creatine fucking supplement Mm -hmm. thing but her dad thought she was had a problem with them so put her into rehab again and forced her to go to aa meetings four times a week even though she wasn't even allowed to drink alcohol like ever what is his problem he's just obsessed with her why are you so obsessed with me alive well it's because he was paying himself more money than she was getting she got an allowance of her own money right there would be times she would try to go use her credit card and it was declined because she didn't have enough money in her bank account while she's making hundreds of millions of dollars. The circus tour, she said, topped over $130 million. Wow. And her mom maybe wasn't the driver of this, but allowed it to happen. She definitely helped. Oh. She wasn't... It was her dad's name on the paperwork, it sounded like. Like he was yes. officially in charge of it. Maybe it was his idea. And that's what I'm getting from it. Is that she? Her mom was definitely complicit. Um, she was. She didn't just stand idly by. She kind of helped. She bamboozled her at one point where she was like, "Oh, we're going on a girls' weekend to this beach house or whatever." And when she got there, they committed her again for another time. So like, her mom was like actively involved in her oppression as well. So during her vase residency, she talks about how she like wanted to change stuff up or like do remixes or change some songs around a choreography, and they said no. And so she said. After a couple years, because she did it from 2013 to 2017, so four years in Vegas, it was like the same show the whole time. And she said it was so like artistically draining. And this was when she started to, the first time she ever felt bad about her music, like she wasn't getting the joy from music and singing that she used to. And that's just horrible, just stripping a person of their love and essence and being by making it monotonous and rote and just taking the joy and the passion from it. She was denied vacations even with her kids and was forced to tour instead. So again, she was she was forced to perform mm. to create money for these people and wasn't even allowed to have vacations with her children. And this was all perfectly legal based on the paperwork mm. that was having because she had a conservatorship over her personhood. And she was sharing custody with her ex-husband. It was very chaperoned. Mm. Kevin Federline has most of the custody and her visits are supervised. It's not... Good. Um, And she does everything in her power to try to see her kids as much as humanly possible. But they're also being with stupid, shitty dad. So I think she loves them unconditionally. She doesn't say a bad word about them. But I was reading some things where it's just like, maybe Kevin kind of poisoned their minds a little bit about thinking like their mom was crazy. But they have a good relationship now, it seems like. And now they're... They're teenagers. All grown up. I know. They're like going to be 20 next year. That's so crazy. 
2019, Kevin Federline filed a restraining order against her dad for allegedly shaking one of their sons in an argument. So this is the beginning of the end, thankfully. I think people are starting to realize that her dad is a giant piece of shit. Free Britney. And this is free Britney time. So this gets a lot of momentum. And apparently Britney didn't even know about this movement because everything she did was so monitored Mm. it was during one of her times where she was in rehab where she says one of the nurses pulled up the laptop and was like check this out and showed her she found out in rehab about the free britney movement so this started the momentum for her to be able to advocate for herself and all of 2021 basically was this time and all the court stuff and it began in the beginning of the year and by november 12th of 2021 her conservatorship was finally over and we freed britney you guys we did it what a time they're starting to revisit and relook at our conservatorship laws in this country. Okay. Because this was allowed to happen in a very quote unquote liberal state for 13 years. This was all based in California mm. and the courts were in California that allowed this to go on for so long. So it's made some waves in a, in a positive way that I hope will help other people in the future. I watched a really horrible documentary years ago about conservatorships and, um, when they can be abused. People are shitty. And I'm sure it's women that are placed in conservatorship. It's it was a little bit of both in the documentary I saw. One was um it was like this guy's daughter put a conservatorship on him and he was like a little bit older, but he remarried a woman that was like not super younger, but like younger. But he had a decent house and like some cars. So she told them that he needed a conservatorship because he was marrying this woman who's just using him for his money. But then the daughter just drained all of his money and used him for his money. Oh, no. Yeah. That's no good either. Okay. Yeah. So the elderly are usually the ones that are mostly, yeah, Mm. prey to it. And I will say we're not very awesome to old people in this country. Fair. At all. Okay. I was thinking that it's, it's easier for people to wrap their minds around infantilizing a woman who supposedly needs a man to take care of her. Well, yeah. And I think that's why this was able to go on for as long as it did. And I think actually a lot of people didn't know about it because she said one time in an interview in like 2016 for like some talk show, she talked about her conservatorship and being in it. And she was like, when I watched that back... That part was magically not wow. in the interview when Just it aired. Edit it out. Yep. Don't want people to think about that part. It's not fun. Yeah. And I think people literally didn't know about it. Or if they did, they thought it was, again, like I said, like a temporary thing for just that year of her life and that this wasn't a continuing thing for 13 goddamn years mm-hmm. of this adult woman's life. It's crazy that you can start out as so rich and powerful and then have that stripped from you. Have someone get away with that for so Mm -hmm. long. You would think if you have that platform, if you have that money, if you have so much supposed influence, that wouldn't be able to happen. And that's the scary part, too, that she mentions. How did this happen? If it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. And she just harps time and time again that it's because I'm know in my heart of hearts because I'm a woman because men do this kind of shit all the time that have children and no one would ever think. No. To do something like this. Yeah, I kept waiting for the bad parts. Like, what was the really bad thing she did where this was deserved? But it didn't exist. It didn't happen. I mean, she was a little crass and people thought she was like trashy. She'd wear like flip flops and like booty shorts and like (laughs) and like eight Cheetos at a gas station. Like we all haven't fucking done that before. Like what? Nothing. No. She didn't do anything. That doesn't make her an abuser or an unfit mother. That's it. It's because she didn't fit into this idea of what a mom should yep, be motherhood, yeah. and you know that's a great excuse in this country too it's like well she has children mm-hmm. it's like, yeah but she didn't do anything to endanger her children 
The one thing they did say was one time she was trying to flee a paparazzi and they wouldn't leave her alone. She like grabbed her kid and like just put her the kid in the lap and was just trying to get away. So he wasn't in a car seat for like yeah, but she was a, a minute. escaping the paparazzi who, yeah. who were harassing. Her. We're literally harassing her and she was trying to protect her children yeah. from being photographed, which is a very normal thing now. A lot of celebrities edit out their kids' faces because it's fucked up to exploit a child like that yeah and parents do stupid shit with their kids all the time and it doesn't result in something like that because they're not being watched right scrutinized right but she's hashtag free oh also something i forgot to mention in there they forced her to have an iud the entire time Uh, during this conservatorship too right yeah she wanted kids right yeah she wasn't able to yeah she was i mean she was dating during this time and she had like a pretty serious relationship during this time with her agent i think they dated for like a good chunk of time and they were pretty serious and um they wanted to have kids and she was not allowed and she had a forced iud it's like being in prison yep i am miss anderson memes on instagram and I am TX Goth GF. And we are sadgap.podcast. You can email us at sadgap.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a question, comment, anything at all. We'd love to hear from you. And please give us a review on all of the podcast platforms of your choice, whichever one you're listening on right now. And write us a little review on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. She's neither a Madonna or a whore. She's just a person and didn't deserve to be treated like that. It's Brittany, bitch. And we're stronger together. We'll see you next time. Bye.